0: The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Hello, Nathan here. I'm um, just a very, very quick intro as I'm editing this uh, at home. Two things have happened since we recorded this podcast, and we'll get on with the rest of the show. Loads and loads of great guests. Wrexham have been drawn against Bradford City in the second round of the Carabao Cup. So, an all League Two affair. Doncaster Rovers got that Everton tie that many were after. Um, opportunity for both to get through to round three there. So, at the end of this month, August 28th, um, that week commencing there will be um, the second round of the Carabao Cup. And secondly, strong reports coming out of Ireland that Wrexham are making a move again and for an Irish player after the James McLean move. They're in advance talks with Sligo Rovers for about a £100,000 deal to sign goalkeeper Luke McNicholas. So a young lad in his 20s. They've been talking about that fourth-choice goalkeeper, haven't they? Or Darius, would he be the fourth-choice? Who knows? I mean, they've been talking about that young goalkeeper And it looks like they are finally going to get him. So strong reports out of Ireland that Luke McNicholas um, is on the move to North Wales. So we'll chase that up in the weeks to come. I'm sure we'll talk about it if it's signed, sealed, delivered before next week's episode. But without further ado, here is this week's show.
1: Rob Rob Ryan Road.
0: Troy Saw, hello. Welcome to the latest episode of Rob, Brian, Red. The Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. After a welcome reality check on the opening day of the season, Wigan certainly paid the penalties if they underestimated us on Tuesday night. On today's podcast, we'll take a look at the opening two matches of the season, bring you the latest chunks of news, and take a look at Wrexham's upcoming trip to face the Real Dons this weekend. I'm Rich Faye. I'm joined as ever by
2: Mr. Nathan Salt. Nathan, you were at the win
0: game on Tuesday.
2: How are you feeling? You got cup fever? Yeah, oh, I love, you know me, I love the cups. I'm always talking about the FA Cup and. Um,
0: You're always drinking Carabao. Aren't you?
2: I'm always. I, I think I put on our Instagram story last night Carabao never tasted so good. Um,
0: no, great. Have
2: you ever drank it? I have actually, only because I went to a promotional event for work and they were only serving Carabao at the event. So i some kind of it was kind of yeah. a Have you ever done Have
0: you ever done Chelsea press? I never have. Have you ever done press no, at St. No, never Have, Bridge? have
2: you? Chelsea have the will Chelsea have
0: a Carabao sponsorship that training gear or right. something. And one of the only drinks you can get in the press field was Carabao and tell i tell you what do not drink a couple of those pre-match because <laughs> not only does he copy suffer but your bowels do I'm, as well. I'm
2: I'm not a big um I'm not a big energy drink drinker to be honest. I'm not that's not really what keeps me going, because every, every time people see me at the game, and there were a couple before the game at the MySquare last night, reminding me how tired I normally look, Um and uh, so maybe I just need to get some more sleep, Rich, you're, you're much better than me at going to bed at an early time, but anyway, late last night, Rexham through, penalties, I was trying to think, Rich, how many successful penalty shootouts have we had at, at the race course, at the Stoke Kairas, because I was thinking, there must have been one a few years ago, did we lose to Leamington? On penalties in the FA Trophy? lost to Leamington, we lost to
0: Brighton, obviously. I was thinking this when the shootout happened. There's not many, there's not many. Was there one in like an FA Cup qualifying round? I can't quite remember, but yeah, in general, I do not remember watching many shootouts at the Cairo. Of course, we thought we were going to have one against Grimsby, didn't we, two years ago, and then the dagger right at the desk, um, which meant we never got one, but yeah. My my record of watching Rex and win shootouts is abysmal. I mean, we're not in too many in, in our sort of lifetime anyway. But yeah, I, I wasn't feeling confident ahead of the shootout. But before we get into that, then I guess when you talk about the win game, you've got to talk about it as a sort of a, a couplet with the MK Dons defeat. Anyway, there are a few changes. Uh, it's safe to say pessimism was at an all time <laughs> high for me on Saturday. I was calling for lots of players to be axed. I wasn't doing it publicly on on social media, but I was very negative. And Tuesday was a welcome reality check for us as well. I thought that the squad depth was obvious there. And across the entire season, it isn't going to be your best 11 that gets you promoted. It's going to be the entire squad. And I think I'm feeling really positive again now because you might look across the, the league Two and say, oh, they've got a good player. They've got a good player. They've got a good starting lineup. There's not many teams who have the depth we have. And I think that was apparent on Tuesday night.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was funny. Um looking back at various WhatsApp chats that I'd had uh, when the team dropped for Tuesday and cue mass hysteria. And actually, and first thing I would say is I wouldn't call that a second-string team because there's too many that, too many of those players have played enough first-team minutes for me. And actually, dare I say, go into the Wimbledon game, well, maybe we'll get on to what we'd do for that game, but I think there's, there's plenty in there that made a case to play. Um, so, you know, I looked at that team... We obviously knew that Foster wasn't going to play two games in a couple of days. And I think Mark Howard took his chance. Didn't have a lot to do, but did what he had to do well. The back three, Rich, I think that's that's maybe where I was going to start because I was directly in line with that back three in the first half after after Wigan swapped ends. Tried to get us shooting towards the, the abandoned cop for the, or the flattened cop, should I say now, for the second half and not towards the tech end as we normally would. Max... Brought in from the cold on the right of the back three. Bentoza in there again. And Owen O'Connell rarely ever does it, but on the left, left centre-back. So he didn't go with O'Connor again. Boyle Boyle, not fit. John Tonecliffe still not fit. So there are not many options at left centre-back. But I think that I I personally thought that back three did very, very well. You know, against a, a Wigan attack that, all right, got down the sides of us. I thought with some level of ease behind the behind the wing backs, but ultimately we guarded the box pretty well. And, and if I'm heading to Plough Lane at at the weekend, that would be the three that I would go with. Really, you
0: you're that bold on it. I, I, I agree with you on Max. I think that you f- you can forget how good this guy is. He's he's exceptional. What a talent he is, and he needs that loan, maybe doesn't he? If he's not going to get those minutes immediately, I, I guess like you said, this weekend maybe a good chance to see where he's really at at for sort of League Two level. O'Connell as well, interesting wasn't it, because he was maybe the worst performer of them all against MK Dons, but again looked solid, maybe did just look like a bit of an off day, and I think as well the other caveat to the MK Dons defeat is that for me it was just, it was it was a result of that shambolic pre-season for a footballing sense for me, everyone just looked undercooked, looked off it, we were there for the taking early on, but if you do look back at the game, it felt at the time that MK Dons could have won 10-4 or 10-5, mm. But in reality, it could have been 5 all, 6-5 or something. Uh, there did feel that moment towards the end where we had them under the cosh where you thought, you know, Rexham might actually do this. He might come back and somehow salvage something. And there's that belief that in years gone by, you just simply wouldn't have had. So I agree that I, you maybe can't read too much into the poor performances of Saturday. I think we've got to just try and hope it was just one of those days. I was concerned by O'Connell, but like you said, he bounced back.
2: Rich, I... I think, Rich. I think maybe we need to not draw so much into Saturday, and also not draw so much into Tuesday, you know, lest we forget we're only two games into the season here, and then that that'll cliche of let's see where we are after ten games. But in all seriousness, let's see where we are after ten games. All in with the cups, you know. We're going to have a round two in the Carowillow Cup. Got Wimbledon that weekend. Then you got two home games. What is it, Walsall and Swindon? Let's just let's just see where we are because if that first game is a, I've said it million times on the podcast over the last year, eight year, eighteen months. Rich, we were there at Chesterfield away when that was an absolute aberration of a performance. I I don't remember us having a shot. Um, there were more flares on the pitch than well, yeah, shots. I, you know, if you
0: look back to the start of last season. What was it? The win over Eastley draw of Yeovil, defeat to Chesterfield. Yeah, and, and, and that
2: Eastleigh game was a, a get out of jail free card from Elliot Lee off the bench. You know, we were one of them. I'm sure
0: there and were some fans writing off promotion or ever winning the league at that stage. Weren't I there? Like I, you I said, safely that, say it? that
2: at Yeovil, um we were not happy. I'm saying we as a plural, not just me. Um, but but look, a word on Max. Happy birthday to Max. We record this 21 years old. A little bit late for the Vegas trip. But for the next one, still so young though, still isn't he? It? Like but, it's staggering. Rich, I just I, I just, guy I just thought I got to watch him quite closely in the Wigan game because where I was, I was right in line with the defense and just seeing him off the ball, I I thought he didn't put a foot wrong really. And I mean, look, they didn't have Charlie Wyke on their main striker for most of the game, but even when he did come on, he was pulling onto Tozer rather than onto Max, and I think Max really looked comfortable playing out under pressure. You know, obviously didn't make didn't have a hundred percent pass completion, but who did you know nobody nobody did last night I, I really thought he took his chance and especially with Boyle not quite fit Hayden not quite fit as as parky was saying um toes is going to play every week as as the central center back you don't want O'Connor there again right now it feels like that's your three right now that is your three I think that's fit played is reliable and I would go into Wimbledon on the back of a clean sheet with those three he'll probably put Foster back in but I would go with those three and and dare I say look, I I, I mean Mendy would go back in for me or or McLean maybe I've heard talk that McLean was never going to be able to play last night because of a gentleman's agreement and was going to be eased in instead to Saturday but you know again Ford I'm a big Ryan Barnett fan but I thought Ford looked lively last night looked looked good
0: yeah, an abundance of options, and yeah, right. again, I think that takes us to the point in that this squad depth is, that is what's got me confident for the rest of the season. Like I said, my challenge is to burn Foster, to have another good game this weekend. I think that his spell at Wrexham so far has been as good as it's been bad. Obviously, he's had that incredible high of the Notts County. Barnet away, I think, was his best performance, but there was Halifax, there was MK Dons. I'm still very unsure on the goalkeeping situation, which... You know, I, again, we've got Lainton, we've got Howard in reserve. I still think maybe we should have gone for a younger profile of goalkeeper in the summer, someone long-term, but this isn't me just trying to set out a personal agenda. I think overall I'm very happy with, with what I saw on Tuesday, and I suppose as well, Nate, the other component of it all, we have to give him a shout-out. I know you bloody love him. Luke Young, captain's armband, great penalty. Did a lot of tireless work in, in midfield, lots of the dirty stuff that doesn't always get appreciated, but... I'm sure he stood up for you.
2: I love Luke Young. So I sound a bit like Dean Keats there. Um, I, you know, I've I've made it clear. Anyone who's listened to this podcast for a long, long time knows I'm, you know, one of Luke Young's biggest fans. Think he? I don't think there's anyone like him in the squad. I honestly don't think there's anybody like him with that kind of makeup, that game, where, you know, he he's got that bite. He's got that little bit of. Jay Harris, type in him that can just put it and he just he's a pest, isn't he? A pest.
0: In the best possible way, yes. I would
2: hate to play against and him. He, and he and he moves the ball so well. I think, look, on paper, you can say that the midfield on Saturday, Lee Cannon and James Jones is on paper better quality than James Jones, Young, and um, Jordan Davis. It just didn't function as well, it didn't function anywhere near well, that's the as thing, well. Isn't it, Nath? You
0: can't always... Your best midfield isn't your three technically best players. You've got to have someone who, to use a phrase, has the dog in him. And he has got that. He is just like a little Rottweiler. He's just always at you. He's running around. He's causing chaos. But like you said, he's intelligent enough with the way he spreads the ball. Yes, he might not have that same killer pass that some of the other midfielders have. But for the entire midfield to function... You need that engine, you need someone who's doing the dirty work and who doesn't get the credit. And I do think to an extent James Jones can do that, and there's a clear reason that he's Parky's favourite. But I think you know Tuesday was a reminder that look, Luke Young's here, he's still a quality player, but how do we actually give him
2: those minutes over an entire season? I suppose having the bigger bench should actually help him. Yeah, you, you say that, he wasn't on the bench, he was left out and just sat in the stands for the first game. I, I can't understand going forward a, a matchday squad that doesn't involve Luke Young Just don't think I think he could kill a game really, really well if if you were leading and you needed someone to spray the ball about. I I really think, look, there there was a lack of minutes last season for Young in the running and for Jordan Davis. I think they've been two of the more outstanding players over the first two games. I mean, Young didn't play at all in in the first game. And you know what it's like, Rich, when you don't play in a game like that, your stock inevitably rises by doing absolutely nothing. It's just the way it goes. Um, But Young... Young and O'Connor are the ones who can play at the base that midfield, and they're two totally different players in that role. That they play completely different roles, in my opinion. But they're both just great. We've called it before, midfield metronomes. You know, they're just good at shuffling the ball, and and Young, he just does what he's good at, and and leaves what he's not good at to other people. I think he just he took his yeah. penalty really well. And look, first step, stepping up for a first penalty sets the tone, and he, do, he he didn't shirk it one bit. He looked confident when he stepped up, slotted it away. I'm a massively young fan, and and look, there was some talk, wasn't there? People saying, "Is he leaving? Is he going to be going? Um, is he is he kind of kind of cut from the cloth now? Is he going to be in the plans?" And my understanding that that Parkinson had a meeting with him and said, "Look, you're you're in my plans. You're going nowhere um, for the season. You know, we've got all these midfielders. You're firmly in the plans." And I think we saw on Tuesday night exactly why he's in the plan because, yeah, I mean, it, it, we'll get on to him, but Palmer. I felt a deserving man of the match. I thought he played really well, but Luke Young would have been Ace, Luke, yeah. Luke Young would have been a, a more than worthy candidate to to win that award.
0: Yeah, you touched on there. Ollie Palmer exposed him and Bickerstaff to a degree um, together. Again, John Davis. I think everyone saw on, on Saturday what a talent play he still is, and a player who hasn't been written off. But his stock, you know, did drop last season. I think because Elliot Lee really blossomed towards the end obviously there's injuries and stuff for, for Jordan and he was out of the team but god this guy if he can repeat what he did two seasons ago he could light up the football league again I mean there's a reason he was signed by Brighton earlier in his career yes coming back to Wrexham was a bit of a risk we saw it was that hat trick away at Halifax wasn't it during the COVID season it's like this guy can play this guy can play and you forget how good he is. I thought he's got to score that free kick as well in the first half. You know, I've just he had that, he has that aura about right, him when, right, right. When he's over a set piece, there's just so much excitement. I think as well, Nate, that's an important aspect last night. Luke Young's set piece delivery unrivalled at the club. We've we've said so often how the corners just peter out and float towards a goalkeeper. Every delivery Luke Young put in caused chaos.
2: Yeah, Elliot Lee's good at so many things that I, I wouldn't really want to nitpick. But he's not great at corners, is he? Take him off corners. And what I'll quickly say, Rich, is we need to abandon two games in now We need to, and the Philadelphia Union game. We need to abandon Elliot Lee as, as some kind of second forward, second striker. It, it doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't get the best out of him in any way, shape or form. I get we're kind of, you know, there's, well, there's bids on table for strikers and maybe we're trying to make a move. And right now it's just plugging plug gaps with Mullen away. More now on the flight home, as we saw overnight, as um, overnight Tuesday, <laughs> business class looked like on the United uh, on the United flight back. Um, but Elliot Lee has to play in a midfield role; he has to play between the lines. And um, anyway, I'm sidetracked. But but yeah, Luke Young's just every corner looked like it was it it, it was just causing chaos for Wigan, and we, just a shame that I, I don't think without Aaron Hayden we quite have that same threat level. From a set piece that we do, I mean, I really think it's pretty much Palmer and Hayden, and and then we're struggling for for genuine options in terms of attacking set pieces.
0: And that is the other thing that we've got this reputation of being really good from set pieces. We are, but most of it is Aaron Hayden, isn't it? Right. Like if you read, right. if you take away his numbers and you take away last season once once he was injured out of the team, we did we weren't the same team from these long throws or these corners. So he's a massive part, and of course there has been question marks over his future at the moment he's still a Wrexham player we shall see how that one plays out between now and deadline day I suppose Nath um, yeah. hopefully I think we, we all want Aaron H- Hayden to stay because he's such a unique threat in both boxes he's he's an incredible player and again another, another player that we're so blessed with Wrexham because as we've said with Jordan Darius we've said with Young we've said with Klowhoff these are players that sometimes don't even get in the matchday squad and they come back in seamlessly and they're superb so we are very blessed I think, as well, like you said Nath, strike force for the weekend. I know this is sort of killing our preview later for the for the Wimbleson game, but Palmer and Bickerstaff would you stick with that? Would you go with just one of them Dolby where does he fit in
2: i um, look Palmer it has to be Palmer, Palmer has to play it? I mean and I, you know i'm i'm gonna just for the benefit of transparency i'm you know, I've obviously been one of Palmer's bigger critics, um especially towards the back end of last season, I was obviously very very high on. Sam Dolby, um, but Palmer's made an impact in both games, has to play on Saturday, has to start against his old team on Saturday. Um, Bickerstaff is an interesting one. I've seen lots of opinions, people saying, you know, he was incredible, he was amazing. I'm kind of in the camp of Andy Murrell, who was working the game for Sky last night. Andy Morrell said he just wanted to shake him, because he feels like there is a player in there, it's just not quite what I would say the good I liked from Bickerstaff against Wigan his hold up was nice I thought he brought the ball into play he he did get people up the pitch I just think I just think he's lacking a bag of tricks when it comes to the edge of the area beating his man in the box you know getting a strike off I just think he he needs he needs a bit more work on the training he needs to
0: learn he needs to learn how to sort of do it in the football league even even sort of national league level doesn't he because as we've heard he's arguably the best finisher at the club he has that attacking intent we saw. He had a couple of shots from outside the box. He was testing the keeper, testing Tickle, getting some saves <laughs> from him. But he was just maybe, like you said, not—I'm not, not going to say—not reading the game properly. But no. he was struggling to get
2: the ball in the areas where he can really do he, his damage. He, need, he needs to he, be in the box between the two posts. He needs a loan thirty games in the national league. I, I firmly believe that. And look, the national league windows we know is open. Maybe you just wait for Mullin to come back, and then you know, then loan him out for the, for the rest of the remainder of the season. I still think an Altringham or Rochdale, um, a Solihull somewhere within, you know, a nearby vicinity. Oh, yeah,
0: there was the suggestion of Oldham, wasn't there? But they've got Norwood right. Now. So that looks I like it
2: wouldn't be the most no I, successful. I don't think so. I don't think so. So um,
0: But yeah, I agree, Rochdale or Alty, keep him in the northwest. Yeah. He could still train over Wrexham if he wanted you if you wanted him to come back in and we needed an extra striker or something. And yeah, just see how he actually gets on over the course of a season how many games he actually plays because that will be a good test of, of where the other teams rate him as well and just see how many goals he can maybe plunder in the National League. Uh, Naif, I suppose we've got a few guests this week, haven't we? We'll maybe move on to the first one immediately. You've been catching up with someone who... Was that the MK Don's
2: game? Yeah, well, at is that at the MK Don's game, at the at the Wigan game, Brian Swarburg, who some people know. Um, very good friends with Mr. Rob McElhenney, um, who himself was at the... He himself was at the the mk don's game in the quiet zone if you saw that big lot of work gone in this week with the quiet zone inclusivity rob was there with his ear defenders on and a, and a, and a fitting red poncho um for the first half of the mk don's game but i thought i'd just chat to brian about everything really if following on the experience it's been like brian you know knows rob well from sunny and uh yeah great fella and, and great chat and here's what he had to tell me talking all things wrexham <laughs> As we said then, one guest uh, this week's show. I've been trying to get him on for ages, actually. When we were in San Diego, I wasn't in San Diego, but lots of the Travelling Reds were uh, home of many things. San Diego Padres and also Mr. Brian Swarburg. How are you doing, Mr. Brian Swarburg? You were in Wrexham. You're in a hotel. We're trying to cope with the uh, glorious thing of a hotel Wi-Fi connection. How are you after the Wigan game? um,
1: Very well, thank you. It was an exciting match, Um, you know. It was, Got to bring it was. my mom, my wife, my daughter. Um, Rob's moms were there. So, yeah, it was an exciting time. And uh, always enjoy penalty kicks, right? Like, that's not something you get right. all the time. So, yeah, yeah. it was fantastic.
2: <laughs> and before we <clears throat> kind of really break down the game, one of your tweets that stood out to me was you said that Jordan had played himself into, into more minutes. We saw him come on. At the MK Dons game and, and make an impact, scored a goal, looked, you know, came away with man of the match award for a, a short period. What, what did you make of him specifically? Cause I know that was something you were, you were talking about on Twitter last night.
1: Yeah. He just looked really composed, you know, really mature uh, in the middle and, you know, not, not stressed, um, you know, smart decisions with distribution. Um, so like when you have that sort of presence, I just feel like, you know, that's something that you can't ignore. And then, to do sort of the opposite when you come on late and just provide a spark and then just send an absolute screamer. It's like yeah, There's there's got to be more minutes for him out there, I think, after the past two matches,
2: 100%. So, so, so take us a little bit back then in terms of how you've become involved with Wrexham, how you've been following them and, and kind of your relationship with Rob and and all that sort of stuff for anyone who sure. doesn't know you. um.
1: Yeah, and I I think it's an important disclaimer that I'm speaking to you as essentially just a fan, a a new fan, right? I mean, I do work for Rob, but I I don't have, you know, any role with the club. So the association is kind of loose, but, um, you know, um, I've worked for Rob for about 14 plus years now, Um, started as an assistant for his television shows and then just more responsibility. And then so kind of help him, you know, at least with, Personal day to day stuff, and then things on the dock. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I'm there, and when I'm having conversations with you and the community, um, I feel like it's I should let people know that like there's there's no association to the club here, right? Like the information I get is always probably later than someone like you or more inside would. Sincerely, so.
2: <laughs> but uh, you know, Rob, Rob's so into it. I mean, we kind of knew that from the off that he's a massive sports nut. But just given you've seen him for many, many years, worked with him day to day, I'm assuming there was absolutely no surprise that he would make Wrexham successful, just just given how
1: he is. Correct. I mean, very early on um, in our working relationship, you know, I, I had a pretty good idea that he was wanting to do more than just some premium, like, cable comedy stuff, right? That he had bigger and better and fun ideas. And ultimately it's rooted in the storytelling, right? When he can, you know, just sort of like pinpoint something like the community of Wrexham and say like, this is a story that's worthy of telling um, and get himself and other people around him excited about it and other fans. Um, That's ultimately like who he has always been. So I hitched my wagons to that very early. Um, I didn't know it was gonna take me to Wrexham um to at the time a national league football squad but uh i'm happy it did (laughs) because this has been one of the most like wild fun rides ever
2: right i feel like you've kind of been conditioned all your life to be a wrexham supporter in the sense that your baseball team from what i can see doesn't seem to be very good which is great preparation for what wrexham (laughs) was pre-takeover it seems like you've been conditioned yeah i mean is your team the pad the padres your team is the padres are they terrible what is the situation there
1: Essentially, yes. (laughs) So it seems like all uh, San Diego sports franchises are just sort of doomed and cursed, and we don't get enough credit as being a cursed sports city. Um, I think it's the weather. People just assume like, ah, they don't need their sports teams. They can go surf or, you know, do whatever. But um, I will say that the other parallels, aside from being just sort of mired in sports tragedy, is um, new ownership coming in which is happening, you know, we've um, got an owner that seems to care and just is injecting, you know, a bunch of money and resources into a club. So those parallels, so even though they're not having success this season, just to have an owner come in and actually care as much as the fans do, will come out and support you, which is why the Padres, you know, are setting records for sellouts. There's a wait list for season tickets now. And, you know, even when they were very bad, Um, they're still never in the bottom third of the league in attendance, which for, you know, teams that are only winning 60 games, which, you know, that, again, sort of parallel to Wrexham supporters, is like they were never in the bottom three of attendance other than, you know, when they were striking he who shall not be named. Um, So I just feel like there are a a, a lot of parallels to that. And, um, God, you know, I want... I want that parade back in my hometown because that was just so amazing. I mean, just to have basically the entire population out there along the parade route was just, I, it's indescribable. So you always want that for, yeah. you know, your hometown and your own community.
2: Crazy. And and I spoke to Humphrey, obviously, on last week's podcast and we had a little bit of a chat about the documentary, but, you know, I'll repeat, up for six Emmy Awards, been a, a monumental success. And just from somebody who understand you know has got a a great understanding of television or what works and what doesn't on it other than just this is a a good story and a good team what made that documentary so good because it's been a a huge 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 success I think even more so than anyone could have predicted it being
1: yeah um I think there's a, a lot of reasons I mean obviously driven by Rob um you know who cares about telling this story so much but I think having the community be such active participants, right. Be so willing to um, tell their stories and, you know, open up a lot of personal lives, which, you know, that's not easy to do. You have cameras coming, you know, into your personal space. And yeah, I think just being willing to like share and tell a story. And then, you know, the team that we have is great, you know, or walk and the editors. So I think it's just massive team effort from the Wrexham side, the club, you know, the um, the other clubs in the league also being willing to let us, you know, get inside. I think it just honestly just full team effort. And then Rob and Ryan being great storytellers, you know, just knowing how to shape it in a way that's always going to be engaging and interesting and come back to the heart of the club, which is the community and the supporters. So.
2: Yeah, well, I, hey, look, I'm excited. It's just over a month now. This will be out on the 10th of August when you listen to this, if you're listening on Thursday. A month, September the 13th in the UK, September the 12th in the US. I mean, mm-hmm. season two is going to be even bigger than season one, surely. And that's even without, <laughs> for people that have have avoided the spoilers, that's even without the the ending, right? It's just It's just got so many elements to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of incredible how just like, the universe provides, right? I mean, like, if you thought season one was right. good, just, you, you we couldn't have scripted it, right? I mean, if, if we had written it this way, people would be like, oh, that's that's too far-fetched. That's mental. Uh, but, like, to have knots, like, just be an absolute buzzsaw the same time that we are, I mean, because it's no fun to just go and lap the league. You know, that's not as engaging. Sure. Um, so, you know, to have them... Uh, both just club setting records and then, you know, there's lots of other stuff obviously that happened throughout the season. I don't want to give any spoilers away either because I do know people that try to avoid like the ticker box and the score sheet and really want to watch this through the lens of the doc, which I think is really cool. So I'll, I'll let them, you know, tune in in a month.
2: Exactly. We'll see. And we'll, we'll definitely break it down when it comes. So I'm just excited to see one of the FA cup games, a certain away game and a certain post-match Row. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm almost certain mm-hmm. that'll be uh, in there and not on the on the cutting room floor. I am uh, I'm I'm probably already piling up my popcorn for that one. That is going to be some viewing. I'll be probably watching it three times over. You were saying you you, you got all your family with you and on, on this trip, your um, wife and mum and 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 the kids are there as well. And Rob had his lad with him at the weekend. What's been mm-hmm. their buy into it? Because obviously you're, you're, you're a big sports fan, as you said, the Padres, and yeah, hoping that they can bring success. But how have they bought into Wrexham and kind of this team, you know, miles and miles and miles away that they now love like you do?
1: Yeah, I think just like hearing me talk so affectionately and passionately about the club and the experience that all you guys like, you know, give to me when I come over here. Everybody's just so hospitable. So um, my mom was actually, she came up here just off-season because she just wanted to, like, so she just went and, like, visited the race course and the turf, but, like, this was, like, off-season. And I was like, well, Mom, we have to get you out here for an actual match because I've just, like, she, she gets up at 7 a.m. And is, and is watching these matches. Um, so she is, like, always super, super into it. And then she said after um, Saturday's match, like, even though the result wasn't what we wanted, that it was just, like, she couldn't have even... As she was thinking about it or picturing it, that didn't do it justice and that it was unreal. So that is phenomenal to me. Um, and then I brought them out because, um, you know, the man you friendly was in our hometown. So that was also dad, sister, niece, nephew. So I think they just obviously get brought into it through me and wanting to be interested in what I'm doing. But once I get them in there, like now they're just fully bought in because of the club and the community and you know the
2: the story yeah no it looked uh I mean you were kind of a tour guide number one for anyone that was going to San Diego asking for a (laughs) I was in a whatsapp chat I've never had so many San Diego restaurant recommendations when I'm not going there and lots of FOMO lots of FOMO um well before we get into a couple maybe quick quick fire ones Wigan then I mean what what have you been been your early take on with two games in we've had a chat with Rich already about kind of it, it it Changes the mood changes fast, doesn't it? You know, you lose five three on the opening game and
1: sure
2: got it's you know, woo is me and, and there's despair, and then you beat Wigan on penalties, a team from the league above, and suddenly it's not it's not, it's not, it's not so bad. And we've mentioned a couple. I thought Max was really good, he was one that stood out for me, Bickerstaff mm-hmm. as well, Palmer. Any any sort of talking points for you player wise over those two games? Luke Young got a lot of love last night. I'm really happy to see that for him. Yeah. Um plenty Always of plenty of little subplots over you know. Right. Great. And, and plenty of little subplots that if you, you know, you feel free to pick any of those out.
1: Personally, for me, I wasn't investing too much into the MK Don's results. Um, You know, they're a really good side uh, that just barely was relegated. Uh, So, you know, I think there's some strange things, unlucky things. I think, you know, that result could have been massively different um and i think obviously some insinuating circumstances probably play into um the form so i don't really put much stock into that um but on the Wigan side yeah all all the names that that you mentioned um and then we talked about earlier jordan bickerstaff um i think they were all great and mark again you know not a ton of work but when he had it just solid just you know holding it down and um you know, you want to give him a little bit of credit for two guys sailing it. Maybe, you know, they feel like they've got to put it in a really specific right. place. So they just, you know, give one to the crowd. <laughs> I want to give him a little credit there. you gotta credit the, but, you yeah, got
2: to you, you uh, credit the goalkeeper, Never miss.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If you call it a mental game, whatever it is. But they honestly, they, they should have right. won it in, in the first 90. A uh, lot of good chances. It's just sort of like Saturday. Couldn't quite find the back of the net. I mean, we were seeing it head there and just like, how does that not drop, but still get the result. And I think it's a great showing and the penalties give more excitement. Like I was saying, like, that's, you know, something you don't get a bunch.
2: Did Did you hear from Rob or did you, did you see Humphrey or, or Rob or anyone? Before, oh, I've cut you off. I did forever. see did Humphrey. you see Rob or Humphrey or anyone? Yeah, that was very exciting. Humphrey, yeah. And uh, he had all his family there. Was he stressed?
1: No, all I right. think, um, I think it's a little, you know, you can relax a little bit. I don't want to like undersell cup matches, but you know, it's it's, sure. it's not as the stakes don't seem as high. Um, but you know, I I want to win everything, and I want to keep playing in these tournaments for as long as possible. So for for me, um, I was uh, I was a little stressed about it, but in in more of a, a fun way. I also like. You know, when you're bringing people over, it's like you want to at least give them one win, right? You know, you don't have to come all this right. way and be like, ah. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll right. be and now like true, the, bad, true, the bad luck. Like Rob Haddon, like he was he, he was the GOAT for so long before he could get his first live right. win. So I don't want to put my family into that situation. So I'm glad that they got the monkey off their back immediately.
2: <laughs> yeah, we don't want the we don't want the Swarburg curse. I think we were getting a little bit sticky to no. for this McElheny curse that we kept parroting. Um but he, he ended uh-huh. up ending that against Maidstone as we remember. Right, let's do let's just do a mm-hmm. couple of quick fire ones then. Who do you think because you were there in Vegas partying with the lads, you know how um they are off the pitch as well as on it. Who do you think if you had to write a role for anyone on Sonny, who'd be the best on Sonny,
1: do you think? Oh, that sort totally of depends on the character. Um what, if it's if it's you know the person who's like just reacting to it? Um, I I do think a lot of them are are how funny and like in in their own very very different ways. Like Leighton, I think is just like so just dry and and funny. So I think he could probably play in that world pretty well. Um, you know, Billy Billy could obviously um, you know probably comfortably hold an audience for a time so yeah i'd say probably one of those two guys (laughs)
2: and and who do you think these are the two that i had so who was going to be on sunny and who do you think if you had to put your family if you had to put someone in charge of of um your child or or your family members who's the most responsible in that in that dressing room
1: oh ben Ben. tozer for sure like he's already (laughs) got a couple kids and he just you know yeah I, i feel like i could trust him probably more than anyone else in, in the locker room
2: <laughs> yes yeah he looks he, although he did seem to be letting his own hair down in vegas he seemed to be taking the full advantage of of what vegas sure. was offering. Look, sure. mean,
1: <laughs> I, i'm I'm a 40 plus year old dad myself so but when in rome right
2: <laughs> when in when in rome exactly exactly and, and look how before we wrap it up how how confident are you feeling for this season as you know, me and Rich have gone on and said we think we can go up again. where where do you see it? You think we're we're still there? One game is not gonna yeah, one game is not gonna define a season.
1: Not at all. And I, I do think that's one of the best sides that we'll see all year. I, I think when we look back at this, they will, if not be in the top three already, they'll they'll definitely be in the playoff spot. So, um, like I said, I'm not putting much into that with the wonky old goal and some other things. I think We'll um, we'll ease into the season, and it's a long season, but at the end of it all, yeah, I do think we'll still be one of the top three. Confidently. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Rich, yeah. I mean, what can I say? He's been he's been wanting to come on for a while. I've been wanting to get him on. Really nice guy. And um, yeah, I mean, you get you get caught up, don't you? We're very fortunate that we've followed Wrexham a long time. But you know, imagine just getting into Wrexham now and, and that's your kind of... Early roller coaster ride. You'd, you'd want to just keep going round and round and round and round. You know, it's um, it's great, and it and it's only going to keep going. And look, what I would say before we move on is I had MK Dons in my top three. If you haven't watched that predictions video on YouTube, go and watch that of mine and Richard's league two predictions. I had MK Dons in my top three. I did expect them to be good, and they were. We were just a lot lower the level. I'm still, I'm still pretty confident that we'll be right up there. Same. I think that's
0: also something that you can overlook when teams get promoted you just expect them to be the ones challenging again next season when a team gets relegated you almost write them off and you forget how good they are I mean at base level they'll be better than Two. because you know they were performing at a high level last season even if they got relegated two fantastic strikers Isa and Leko destroyed us fair play to them they look great but again I think the argument for me is squad depth I even though they were better than us on the day I think we've got better squad depth and we'll be fine I was going to ask you quickly Nate I know that we're not, we're not on this podcast that changes our minds every single week, but have you had any sort of changes on your predictions of where you think Rex might finish this season? Just just now, we've sort of not seen a reality check over the first weekend, but we've got a, a greater sort of gauge of of the the state of play.
2: Right now, I'm just gonna st- I'm just gonna stay pat, just stick where I am. It, it's one game. Like I say, I was so disappointed last season when I went to Yeovil and Chesterfield, and we were we got one point out of a possible six. Let's just see where we are at end of the month and then we'll do our monthly review and if I suddenly then think we're going to finish 18th then so be it I don't think we are but you know look I'm I'm quite content right now and look there's one player that you've been getting the lowdown on that hasn't even kicked the ball for Wrexham yet and supposedly is going to be you know one of the division's best in James McLean so things could change very quickly Rich
0: yes they could and as they said there I've been catching up with Owen Harrington who writes for Balls Island to get the Irish perspective James McLean, and also to get the Irish opinion, really, of Wrexham. We've got that influx of players, obviously got Kevin Mulholland as well, and just, yeah, to to get a grasp of how Wrexham have been received over the Irish Sea. So, Owen, thanks for joining us on Rob, Ryan, Red, and, yeah, we wanted someone qualified to give us a bit of insight on James McLean. Interesting one, isn't it? I think it caught everyone's attention, not just those who follow lower league English football, even sort of Irish football, but it was sort of global news that arguably the biggest and most statement signing of Wrexham's takeover so far. What was the reaction like in Ireland
3: to Wrexham signing Jason Clee? I think it was a bit of a left field move. I think a lot of people in Ireland were caught somewhat unawares by it because I think the expectation earlier in the summer was that with Wigan being relegated from the Championship, the McLean was going to come back to the League of Ireland and was kind of going to finish his career playing with Derry City who he uh, has like affiliation with having grown up there and 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 played there earlier in his career and there was the expectation that he was going to come there until manager there were he said he'd be kind of staying within the English league system and once that was said everyone kind of presumed that Wigan was going to be where James McLean would be playing this season especially because right up and literally right up until the, the end of last week there was talk that he was going to be the Wigan captain for the, the next season Um, and he was one of their strongest performers uh, even though they were relegated last year I think he, he earned widespread praise um, he's always, like for the past three or four years, he's been one of the stronger Irish performers at that level. So I think the, the Wrexham move did surprise everyone, especially how quickly it came about. There weren't really any rumors until about an hour before it was confirmed. The first word came through that they were looking at it. So generally, I think people are, are happy enough with the move. You know, maybe it's had surprise that he's taken the step down, especially because he was still playing well in the championship last year for... One of the poorer teams, admittedly, but still putting in good performances in the second tier. So there's maybe an element of of people wondering if it's spitely early for him to make this move. But uh, he is he is coming to the, the end of his career now, and maybe a new challenge like this is is somewhere we can thrive. Um, his his form for Wigan has been excellent in recent years, and I think that if he can carry that form to League Two, I think he he has potential to be one of the best players in that division. If he if Wrexham can. If Rexham can push on from, from last year's performances,
0: where where does he sort of fit in as a player? Obviously, he's 34 now, maybe doesn't have the legs he once had. I, I've seen a few people suggesting he maybe doesn't track back and get involved in the, the dirty defensive work as much as we might need him to over the coming season. Mm. But where do you think he would actually fit into this team? I and mean, we play sort of 3 5 2. Suggestion is that he'll be predominantly a left wing bat, could potentially play yeah. off a striker as well if required. Where has he sort of tended to fit in?
3: with Ireland and and previously in his career? Well, Ireland, Ireland, he would have started out as a winger around the time that he was at Sunderland. And Stoney he would have been, um, kind of playing on the wing and the, the first spell with Wigan back in the early 2010s. Um, and he's kind of dropped back because the most recent, uh, like Irish internationals, uh, Stephen Kenny tends to also play a three, five, two or three, four, three. So, McLean has, has found himself in the, in the left wing back position. Part of that is that Ireland don't have a huge amount of depth at left back. Um, it's a classic Irish thing that we'll have one great player and then the second best player in the squad is also playing in that position. And that like two of our best players are both right backs in in Doherty and Coleman. So you'd often have Doherty maybe playing left wing back and Coleman right wing back. But generally it's, it's one of Doherty or Coleman on the right and then McLean on the left. Um he's kind of been in and out of the team recently because of that rotation. And um and Stevens was around for a while and McLean kinda of had to fight for his place back in the team, but he he generally is slotted in there. And I think, you know, with Rex and playing that, that system, it seems like that would be where he would be best suited to it. Um and he there has been a sort of drop in his in his performance level for Ireland in, in recent years, and I think there's sometimes been a bit of frustration with the likes of McLean and Jeff Hendrick and a few of the older generation continuing to get starts ahead of with a lot of people who would like to see Ryan Manning, who's been excelling with Swansea in recent years. There's been a lot of calls for him to get a chance at left wing back. So I think there's a bit of frustration maybe with McLean that he continues to get chances, but he's still a very widely liked player among the Irish fan base and... um I think that with Rexon playing that system, I think generally it seems like he'd be made for that left-wing back position.
0: You mentioned earlier as well that, you know, there was a possibility he could have come back to Ireland, played League of Ireland at Derry, as you said. Wrexham may be a bit of a surprise he's dropped that low in the English system. Whereabouts, if he had moved to League of Ireland, what sort of level would you say that is on a par with in, in English football? Like, Do you think it would have been more of a shock if he signed for Derry or the fact that he signed for Wrexham?
3: It maybe would have been less of a shock because people were kind of expecting it but yeah you're right it, There, there is always that debate of where the league of ireland kind of compares to the the english league and you have you have different schools of thought you know like the the best teams you know the shamrock rovers and dundalk in recent years have have been able to get to you know a conference league group stage and maybe get a draw or two and that so Best teams in the league of which Derry would be one. Derry are generally involved in the title race uh, the last few years, and they're up there again. They're in fourth place at the moment, or it might be fifth, but they're 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 thereabouts in the title race. So, maybe I, I, it's very hard to say. Like it, it's very hard to judge them against each other, but considering that a lot of these teams tend to play yeah. in Europe, the Irish ones, and we've had the odd team get to the European group stages. It it probably is a slight drop down from Derry, but to be honest, I I I, I can't say that with any confidence. You'd, you'd have differing schools of thought in Ireland. You'd you'd have differing thought as to where they'd fit in, even against the Scottish league or anything like that. Um, so it's probably it it it's probably about a like a an equal move, especially because of the ambition that Wrexham have shown and with the investment and everything and with the the way that the club is going, it's 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 an exciting move, I think, for McLean, even though it is a drop-down. I think there's a bit of excitement. And like I said, it's a place that generally the reaction we saw um, when we reported on the news initially was was generally people are excited to see what he can do there.
0: In terms of, in general then, what is the sort of,
3: the feeling of our Wrexham in,
0: in Ireland? Because of course, you know, McLean factor, obviously, you'd expect there to be, a greater influx of interest, but Wrexham already have mm. quite a few Irish players already. Tom O'Connor, probably the most highly rated, someone who has strong ambitions to be part of the island squad later in his career. Mm. Uh, Owen O'Connell, who is, you know, had that spell at Celtic, he's probably the
3: most notable of of them other than Cleen.
0: What what has the reaction been? Has there been much coverage of the whole Wrexham story there?
3: I think as there is worldwide, there's kind of just general intrigue given the involvement of, of people as high profile as Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. And I think we've we found as well that there's been maybe a bit of renewed interest since the arrival of Baron Foster as well, being kind of a big name. Probably McLean probably feels like more of a statement signing because he's still kind of operating that high level whereas Foster kind of came out of retirement um, to play for Wrexham. So kind of have that sense that McLean might be a slightly... More statement as he said signing or a big signing for Wrexham but um certainly there was there was a good bit of interest when Owen O'Connell signed, and there was that video with, with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, and kind of people enjoyed that, and and we're excited to see him there. Um, among diehard Irish fans, you know, there's always interest in tracking players up and down the leagues. You know, you'd, you'd a lot of uh, the, it's it's strange to look at how the Irish national team has gone recent years, and you know about. 15 years ago, you would have had Robbie Keane playing for Spurs, Shea Given playing for Newcastle, Damien Duff playing for Chelsea and now the level of Irish players tends to be in the Championship and a lot, of, a lot of Irish fans are diligent about following how Irish players are doing in the Championship in League 1 and especially with Wrexham coming up to the Football League this year and with someone like McLean there now who will probably still be pushing for a place in the international squad. You know, he he started uh, the last game against um, Gibraltar in the qualifiers in June. He was captain for that game. Uh, it was a bit of a symbolic thing because it was his 100th cap, but he he was still starting in that game. That's the most recent international. So he will still be in contention for the international squad. So I think that's only going to increase the interest in, in Wrexham. But I think, as with everywhere else, there's just interest in the, in the story behind it and the fact that you know, they a a small club like this that that had fallen on hard times for quite some time has now had this this kind of Hollywood investment it is just intriguing to people from from all around and with the Irish players involved there like I said, with Owen O'Connell and now with James McLean I think there is just an interest in keeping tabs on how those people are getting on and and just an interest in in the Wrexham story in general.
0: So Nathan of course, I think the most notable moment for for Irish fans is that Owen O'Connell. A pronunciation video that Robin Ryan did, I mean, I, I guess as well from an Irish point of view, that must be so touching as well that similar to how they got involved with the Welsh language they went out of the, the way to sort of say, you know, Irish is a unique dialect as well, I know Gaelic's different to how we'd pronounce, it, pronounce some of these words in English, but yeah, it was just a another demonstration, really, of how of how savvy they both are. And, of course, McElhinney's got his own Irish roots anyway.
2: Yeah, no, they're just, I mean, anything those two touch turns to gold, really. Um, and I, I also, I mean, it, I don't like it, but if I could, I mean, I, given I can't change the result, at least Hugh Jackman got the wrecks of experience that we've known for well over a decade, Rich. At least he got a proper, none of this Paul Rudd one-game promotion nonsense. He actually got the all right uh the real welcome to rexham. the real welcome yeah. to rexham for you jackman so um i mean i think he probably should
0: welcome to rexham after hours you... where we don't win every I game He should
2: probably still be banned from the race course given he's he's, he's oh yeah you definitely. Know. i mean that's that seems a given but apart from that i mean
0: exiling from wales altogether eh? revoke any sort of entry
2: I mean, potentially guards on the. Border? I don't know whether we. I don't know whether we okay. give benefits of the doubt to, to sort of Hollywood stars or, or not. We probably don't actually. Um, but I hope. I think. I think it should be. If you're
0: a Hollywood star and you come to Wrexham and they don't win, you should never be welcome <laughs> that's back. It,
2: you're not welcome to Wrexham.
0: But then again, then again, that means Robin Ryan would have been barred after their first game. <laughs> that so maybe
2: is, that's a dangerous precedent to set. That is true. That is true. Um, but look, it, you know. It's gone. It's wiped that slate now. MK Dons is gone. I don't think we're going to face many strikers better than Lecko and Isa as the season goes on, especially not as a pairing, maybe not even individually. Um and on to Wimbledon. AFC Wimbledon. Exciting. It should be a good one. The real Dons. The real Dons. It should be good. Yes.
0: Yeah, really interesting game as well. I I just don't know how to call it at this moment in time. Again, like you said, it's so early. The teams still finding their feet team still trying to sort of work out what their best style of play is who should be in their best 11s of course wimbledon started the season with a draw didn't they that was nil nil against Grimsby. should have won that you know they missed should have be...
2: won that they had a penalty in front of their away fans oh, it's a poor penalty when you watch it is it alley or something like that for them he, he basically side foot we know what blundell park's oh, like there, don't we know yeah. we've had some oh, we've me. had a horror,
0: horror trip there ourselves dear back in the glory me, days I, of, uh, of going um, in York. i remember
2: going there with you and my dad and it was a bit rowdy, and there was like a McDonald's next to the stadium. The stadium was basically in Cleethorpe's. And um, and and somebody, some Grims event tripped me up in the queue in the McDonald's. So I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah there was a, yeah, a bit of an argument wasn't there? You know, I'm hardly, uh, I'm hardly Owen O'Connell or, or Ben Toza. I'm not the, the biggest man in the room. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not in a rush to go back to Blunder Park. But anyway, Wimbledon should have won that. You know, they had a penalty saved. Look good on the counter and I thought well, but Rich, to be totally honest, we, we don't know AFC Wimbledon do we really well. So I thought I would get the opposition perspective. People who've enjoyed, you know, hearing from opposition fans, opposition podcasters. So this is Chips from Wombles Had a Dream podcast. Here is what you had to tell me about AFC Wimbledon and their start to the season. So, game number two in the league AFC Wimbledon a lot of excitement, a lot of people are going to be ticking that one off for the first time They're back in the Football League, trip to South London which is great for me, living nearby but I don't know the first thing that AFC Wimbledon are about do I I know about Wrexham and talk all things to Wrexham but someone who does know a lot more about uh, AFC Wimbledon is co-host of the Wombles had a dream podcast Chips that is how he was referred to I'm not sure that's his uh birthright name but that is how we're going to call him Chips welcome to the show what is the just general feeling around AFC Wimbledon this season because we know what it's like at Wrexham a lot of anticipation but what about Wimbledon
4: thanks very much for having me on appreciate it no problem uh the anticipation is quite upbeat this year. We've uh, we've had two really poor seasons. We got relegated from League One. Uh, what was it? We won one in 27, I think it was, in League One, then got relegated. And then last year in League Two, we finished fourth from bottom. Uh, again, didn't win a game. I think it was 24 or something like that. Try and, Always try and forget them seasons when you've not won for a long time. So we've had 10 new signings come through the door. Uh, about the same going out so we're quite excited about the new season Everyone's not, no one's mentioning us at all in regards to anything really they think we're going to be mid-table which most Wimbledon fans would bite your ha- hand off for a mid-table finish at the moment because as I said the last two seasons have been very very poor So,
2: well I mean I've got you in, in the predictions video I did I've got you uh, at 16th now yeah. I don't know are AFC Wimbledon a potential sleeper team? Or, or or is that a, potential, a bit of a stretch could they be that team there's always one every year that you it's, know Stevenage was a few years ago not that you maybe finished in the top three but is there a potential if it all goes well playoff
4: team I, in there I'm, I'm not I'm not sure myself a lot of Wimbledon no. fans will tell you yes we are but I'm not I'm not sure uh, <laughs> we've got the players now I think on paper we look we look okay it's a tough league tough league again with yourselves Notts counties Stockports all being around it Salford still spending money uh, yeah I, I'm not 100% sure most people got us predicted between 15th and 17th if we finish below 15th I think that's a, a poor season for us and something needs to be looked at with regards to recruitment or the management side uh, but yeah I'd be happy to finish 12th right now and have the season done uh, and then rebuild again hopefully get rid of yourselves get rid of Stockport get rid of the big teams in the league hopefully too many the teams coming down ain't too big and then, yeah, we'll go again. Before we get into maybe
2: the recruitment that we've just seen this summer, a big talking point between Wrexham and AFC Wimbledon was that Olly Palmer transfer, Wrexham's club record move in that January. It was key for us in terms of building out that team for the eventual promotion a year later. What what lasting effect did that have? How damaging was that to lose him at that point? Because ultimately, he didn't want to leave. You know, I think he's been pretty clear that he, he's a Wimbledon lad who didn't
4: want to go but the money was too good to turn down well yeah if you if you speak to ollie palmer which he's been on a couple of podcasts i think the fozcast and stuff like that right it's because he left that we got relegated he he, he has uh the ego which is good for Wrexham because the stuff around it so it's probably good that he joined a club like Wrexham because he has a, a massive ego i wasn't too disappointed when he left if i'm being honest as uh, mm. probably uh, one of few that weren't too unhappy i i his attitude at Wimbledon at the time wasn't great when he did leave as well he uh, threw a sickie, got, got injured uh, he wasn't really that injured and he wanted to be playing against Arsenal who is his boyhood club uh, and he didn't want to miss that game so he threw a sickie a game before that which wasn't great but he seems to have really kicked on at Wrexham seems to do, be doing really well and, and, and you lot love him up there which is good uh, I think he played well against Wigan the other night so yeah I think I, I'm a bit worried him coming down and scoring against us which always happens but yeah I wasn't too disappointed especially with the money that we got uh, I don't think that was the reason why we got relegated because we lost Oli Palmer I think if we had Oli Palmer we would probably still would have got relegated uh, and we unfortunately our recruitment at that time when we saw Oli wasn't great signing players so
2: No it'll be interesting to see how he gets on because he's definitely pushing for a start he didn't start against I'm not going to do it to you, the team that shall not be named for, for <laughs> the fans listening. I won't do it to you. He didn't start that game, came on, made an impact, played well, as you said, against Wigan, um, and is you know, itching, I'm sure. And I don't know if he's going to fall into that bracket of players who don't celebrate against their former clubs. I've got the feeling that you probably would celebrate.
4: I've got, yeah, it's a different one, because his uncle is a massive Wimbledon fan. So he is, a, he is a Wimbledon, as you said, a Wimbledon. He's an Arsenal fan himself, but his family are all Wimbledon fans. So I know his uncle used to give him stick at Wimbledon, like you're not playing well or this and that, so maybe he would go and celebrate in front of him just to wind him up a little bit I don't know if he would celebrate in front of the fans if he scored in front of the south stand, which is our main stand behind the goal if he would give it the big one, I don't think he would, uh, if he scores in front of the Wrexham fans, I think it depends on with someone like Oli Palmer, it depends on the moment as well, if you say it's 0-0 and you score last minute and it's Oli that scores it I think the his emotion could take over him, but I, I'm not. I'm for, I'm for players celebrating against their old teams. I hate it when they don't. It really does wind me up a little bit. Cause I'm the same. It's a it's same. a game of emotions. It's a game of football, and yeah, you played for him. He played for us for what one season. So it's not the end of the world if he scores and <laughs> it celebrates.
2: Talking about recruitment, then this summer, I mean, who who have been the standout acquisitions? I'm looking at it now. Jake Reeves in there. Omar Bugil is it from Sutton. James Ball came in from Rochdale. Armani Little, who some people know from Forest Green. A- 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 Alex Bass came in from Sunderland. I was say, online. you could
4: be going on for some time. We signed 10 right. players. Right, so. 10 players. Yeah, a... what, what,
2: what, what, what's, what's been the mood around around those players? Good quality or just needed a big overhaul?
4: We needed a massive overhaul. Massive overhaul. We had some uh, people like Alex Woodyard have gone, who pe- some people really rate. I never rated him at all. for thought he was an awful captain for us. Uh And it's glad that we've moved some of the bad eggs, or seem to be bad eggs, on from the last two years. The last two years, as I said, have been awful for Wimbledon on the football side. So it's good that we've got some of them and we've rebuilt. We've not really got a star man from this season's transfers because I think we've just bought in League Two quality players that can play and we've got now a bit more depth. So we've got, as I said, James Ball from Rochdale. Uh, Armani Little was on loan at the end of last season done well, a few games kind of drifted out a little bit, got injured uh, he's good to have, Jake Reeves is massive for us ex-Wimbledon uh, went off to Bradford, come back now he's the captain of the club uh, and then you've got the people, as you said, Omar Bugle and people like that who are just League 2 footballers who will work hard uh, and stuff like that our main, our main player is Ali Alhamadi who we signed from Wickham last January who scored nine goals I think it's ten goals in 15 games something ridiculous like that and he's our main player so hopefully he'll he'll, he'll have some more minutes in his legs and we, we can get him starting against uh, you lot on Saturday but he's out from last season but he's pretty much a new player for this season because he got injured at the end of last season as well so
2: I, I'm always intrigued by New managers, managers on the come up. Johnny Jackson definitely fits into that category. Phil Parkinson's been around the block plenty of time. You know what you're going to get with him. Three five two. It's not going to change. I don't know what Johnny Jackson's philosophy is from as a manager compared to what he was as a player. What what's kind of the fans' relationship with with Johnny Jackson at this point? I mean, what the kind of early impressions of him as a coach?
4: It's a bit hit and miss. There's a lot of people that still don't rate Jackson. Uh, don't, didn't want him last season he's, he's very lucky that he wasn't sacked last season uh, he got t- we had a, a meet the manager event at the end of the season where it was pretty much meet the board so the chairman uh, the new mani- uh, marketing manager the uh, recruitment manager Craig Cote was just come in Danny Macklin just come in and Johnny Jackson and Johnny Jackson got told a few home truths regarding how he is personable, how he looks on the sidelines and stuff. And I think he's gone off in the summer and reflected on that last week because he's, he's only ever been at Cheltenham really as kind of footballer onto then the management side, coaching side. So then to come to a club like Wimbledon, it's like, Wrexham really, you're a a community, you're a community club and that's what we are. And, and that's what we expect. We, we don't expect to win every game, but we expect someone to give 100% to go out there and, and and tell the fans what's actually, ha- actually happening with regards to tactics, philosophies and stuff like that which I, I still don't know to this day what his philosophy is, what his actual game plan is what tactic, tactically I think he's inept I think he struggles tactically but I think he's taken on board last season how the fans felt and does look a little bit more vibrant looks a bit more upbeat he looked last season like he didn't really want to be here uh, to, he wanted to move on as soon as possible I think he he saw Wimbledon as a stepping stone he'd come in smash League 2 and then move on to like an Oxford or something like that which didn't happen because he wasn't that good of a manager where this year I think he's taken on board everything and yeah hopefully he's doing it a li- this is his side now so there's no complaints before it was a side that he inherited this year it's his side there's no excuses anymore and I think he's coming with a new new game plan to to hopefully do better in League 2 he needs to anyway otherwise he's out of a job and I don't think he gets employed after us so
2: there you go um, <laughs> well there you go nice and uh, a glowing uh, report card uh, for Johnny Jackson now we'll see we'll see how he gets on I mean it, it'd be interesting just to I'm always watching the sidelines Phil Parkinson's interestingly he's kind of maybe it's different away from home at home he's not necessarily in the technical area barking as much as he he was he's kind of doing it a little bit further back letting other coaches go into the technical area it's interesting. We'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, this is just, you know, interesting from a community club point of view. Wrexham, obviously, now with huge wealth behind them, Hollywood resources. You know, the day we're recording this now, Wednesday, the 9th of August, 12 years ago since Wrexham were on the brink. Fans raised 100k in, in 24 hours, saved the football club, and that's why we've got the football club today. Don's Trust own Wimbledon. Yeah. Talk to us a bit about... The model, uh, because there aren't that many fan-owned clubs and kind of um, supporter-led regimes—a bit of a too strong a word—but you know what I mean. In terms of any American fans who are listening, which quite a lot do to us, talk to us a bit about that model and, and how
4: it's come about at Wimbledon. Well, it's, it's not similar. We've got quite a lot of American fans ourselves now because of a person called John Green. Don't know if you've heard of John right. Green. He'll be I there on Saturday. I'm, 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 I'm guessing Ryan Reynolds. And McHalemi might be. There. I'm sure Reynolds is there on Saturday because them two are good friends. Because he was I, at I John Green was up uh, at yeah. a Wrexham game. I think it was an FA Cup game. He was in the directors yeah. box with.
2: Uh, I would imagine. I'd imagine they'll Seth, both be there. They get on. Yeah. They get on well. Yeah, so on I, well. I
4: think they're both going to be there on Saturday. I know John Green's over on Saturday. He's doing some of the stadium tours. So we've got quite a few American fans now because of his Nerf Fighter and stuff like that. So it's not too dissimilar. But yeah, the Don Struss owned the club. Uh, it's a weird one with Wimbledon because you've got. A lot of people that are fan-owned only, they only want the fan ownership and they're, they're happy with that route. Don't matter if we drop out of the league or go into conference, conference south or go into non-league, That they just want to stay fan-owned. And then you have the other fans who now want to look at outside investment Uh, and and would love a uh, Reynolds to come on board and stuff like that and want to get that kind of money. Because football now, unfortunately, the the money in football is just mad. Uh, I think one day, Wrexham will, unfortunately, hit a glass ceiling because just getting into that, you need to be a billionaire instead of a millionaire nowadays. But yes, it's fan-owned. We built the stadium ourselves. Fans uh, raised a uh, bond for that, which we are now paying back. But that is soft debt kind of thing, so you pay it back to fans who have put on... I, I can't remember if it's two between two and seven percent or so over a certain amount of years, and that can be rolled over. So some fans might roll that over. Some fans might say, actually, no, I want the uh, the money, the equity out of that. But yeah, so it it doesn't always work. It doesn't. We don't always get along with regards to the fan ownership. Unfortunately, uh, I think Rex might know this as well because they were trust owned for a little while before Reynolds and them come in. You, you have different parties that have their way of what they want to do and it, it don't always work especially with regards to football but it seems to be working okay for us over the last few years that we've got into the Football League we have now in the same league as the the club who stole our place which was massive for us we now have our own ground back home in Merton in Wimbledon and, and you'll see when you come down on Saturday it's it's a it's a lovely little stadium we love it to be fair
2: yeah, it was a lovely stadium. Although my last visit was to get my vaccine, so oh I mean, yes, I we was did the vaccine A, a, yeah. a, a bit so uh, it wasn't a very enjoyable trip, to be honest. There was no real stadium tour. It was kind of oh, there's the pitch and there's the needle that's about to go into your arm. But this will be more fun. I'd hope. Well, I do hope anyway.
4: It, it, we're, we're evolving every year because we've got an, a club shop now, which is a proper club shop, which they've just done up this uh, summer. Uh, we've got hospitality boxes now, which previously we couldn't have at Kings Meadow. We've got stadium tours that are done by Wimbledon fans. Uh, and yeah, the away end, I've not been in the away end as a home fan, so I don't know what the offerings are. But in the home end, we have uh, food stalls, we have a fan zone, we have a pub, we have TVs on so you can watch the games. So it's it's it, we've beat this year's season ticket target which was huge, considering how bad we were on the pitch last year. So, I think not having a ground for thirty odd years, and now we've got one, and we're offering good product off the pitch, it, it's selling itself really. So, that's something. Yeah, plus. it's
2: it's it's a great facility. You know, like I say, I live nearby. It's a, it's a really good, really good facility. I, I guess the question is, do you think you guys have got the best kits in League Two because they are absolute beauty i don't know if it's the third kit or the away kit or whatever but one of them is an absolute belt they call it the
4: black iris Uh, it's there you go i'm colourblind, so i struggle but blue one i think i think the home and the third kits are yeah unbelievable the away one i like a lot of people are a bit different on that one because of the yellow going through it but yeah we do it every year i think with our kits we're doing it uh, a guy called mark jones who founded aoc wimbledon uh yeah He's designing some amazing kits, and the third kit is something special in my eyes. But yeah, everyone—the problem is everyone thinks their their own their kits are something special, don't they? Even if they're absolute, like Barnsley fans think their kits really nice, even though it's an absolute (laughs) horrific shirt.
2: Well, we've waited fifteen years to get a black kit, so we're happy with that one. But yeah. the the third Wimbledon, if you haven't seen it, um, look it up. It's it's a be- I mean, don't go and buy one because you're a Wrexham fan. Listen to this podcast. But I mean, <laughs> it, otherwise, it's it's a beauty. If you're not, it is. Yeah, it's a, it's lovely. Uh, f- finally, then, let's 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 kind of near the end. A couple more. One one about Wimbledon, and then one about the podcast. Obviously, you, you've you know you've been um, it was very early in the season. We're recording before they play in the Carabao Cup tonight you've mentioned the key danger and what what are basically Wimbledon's best chances to to hurt Wrexham who are the you've mentioned Ali but I mean are there other kind of is it going to be a sit off the ball encounter is it going to be just try and blow the doors off early on and hope the home crowd can get behind them what do you think
4: it's a hard one because it's so early into the season it's hard to know what we're going to because we obviously played Grimsby away first game so that was 0-0 draw we went up there we we missed a penalty do you know what I mean if we had come away from that now as you said, the Carabao Cup, we go out to Coventry. It puts more pressure on Saturday because we then have Sutton, which is a massive game after. So you've got all these games coming through fast. We could be at Sutton without a win start of season. And as I said Johnny Jackson's under pressure from last season. I think we'll. I think we'll look to. We have got the attacking intent to get after you. It depends on how you set up as well. There's always one player that absolutely destroys us when he plays against us, and that's James McLean. Uh, I'm not his biggest fan, but he or for Wigan, he destroyed us twice. He always does well. So if he plays, I'm quite happy Mullins out, if I'm honest. I hope he's a speedy recovery, but I'm glad he's not going to be anywhere near it. I'm not too scared of Ollie Palmer. Uh, yeah, your other strikers I'm not too fussed about, which will come back to bite me come Saturday afternoon when they <laughs> score a couple of goals. But yeah, I, I just think we need to worry about us and just get after you lot because, again... Parkinson's going to be under a lot of pressure after being beaten by by that lot quite convincingly as well so I think we just need to get after you and hopefully uh, get the atmosphere going Wrexham are going to bring the full uh, allocation I believe just they're going to have a bit of a shock I think Wrexham fans coming down from Wales you'll know the prices in, in Wimbledon for a beer are not cheap so
2: it, no, no. where was I recently and I paid £7.10 and my friends just refuse to believe me they'll get it on Saturday they'll understand but they don't They don't quite seem to get it now After, um, every time I go on a podcast
4: yeah. from the Northern team like Sun, I've been on <laughs> Sunderland's, uh and I, I say to them they say what to expect I say just bring a lot of money and they say why I say well it's like £7 a pint and they're like what yeah see what I mean so <laughs> right, it's, it's, not, me- it's not cheap in Wimbledon
2: but finally then let's end it because every time we get an opposition podcaster on or a fan on doing our bit to try and plug um, their podcast because if you want to follow Wrexham you're already listening to this you're going to get all your Wrexham news but you're not going to get widespread coverage on every other team that we're going to play so if they want to listen and want to get more information on Wimbledon maybe they pick up Wimbledon as as an interested team talk a bit about the podcast Womble's had a dream how long you've been doing it kind of when you release and when you do stuff like that.
4: Yeah, fact, uh, we're, yeah, the one was out a dream podcast, started it, I I founded it a couple of years, I think it's two years now we've been going, pretty much, only nice. only new, so yeah, it's just a uh, fans podcast for the fans really, uh, we try and delve into everything from the ownership to what's happening on the pitch, we take no prisoners kind of thing, that's what I think a lot of women and fans like about our podcast is that we say it how it is, uh, because sometimes you have to... Uh, and yeah, that's why I started it really there was uh, there is another podcast, but I just wanted to go down at the fact that we we're not in with the club, so to speak, so we can say how it is and that's yeah, why we start we do we come out every Friday uh and we do a thing on Twitter called Twitter spaces, which is the Sunday debrief, which is very popular we uh then speak about the game on Saturday and then invite fans to come on and speak and that seems to be a very popular way of doing it as well so you give the fans a voice which is what I think most fans want now they can come on and say well actually I don't think he should be playing left back do you know what I mean why are we playing this way and it's fans it's like the pub going back into the pub like the old days where people would just sit there and have a rant uh, and people didn't take it too seriously which is unfortunately what football has become it's still the game of the people and people like to rant about it so yeah that's what we do
2: pretty so much the, so there you go if you're looking for a Twitter space we're not sure whether um, me and the fearless lot are going to do one this week just so we can enjoy Wimbledon And but if you want one Sunday debrief uh, Wumbles had a dream they'll be hosting That'll yeah we'll be
4: doing you know. one on Sunday I think it'll be around there about you go. 8 o'clock so yeah, there you go.
2: Once we beat what, once finally, we beat Wrexham on Saturday, you can no, come you we, no, we you chat. don't believe that. You can't look me in the eye, like, you don't believe that. What All are right. you going to go then? Score. What are you going to do then? Score prediction. You're gonna, you got to be positive. I'm assuming
4: three-one Wimbledon,
2: three-one Wimbledon. I really I'm think gonna go. I really think Wrexham are going to really?
4: struggle this year. I don't think I I really hope to be fair. I do hope Wrexham do well. I'm not one of these people that have jumped on this bandwagon of hating Wrexham. Because you've got <laughs> okay. too rich, I just—it blows my mind how everyone's now becoming these Wrexham haters. Like even some Wimbledon fans were saying on Saturday, ah, oh, it's gutting that Milton Keynes beat them. It's like, wait a minute, this is the team that we hate the most, and you're, yeah, it just blows my mind. But I, I just, I don't think you're going to do as well, unfortunately, as you lot think you are.
2: We'll 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 see. I'm gonna go I'm not I'm not gonna bet on a Wimbledon win. I'm gonna say two one Wrexham. So there you go. Three one Wimbledon, two one Wrexham. Um Womble's had a dream. We'll leave it on that. Sunday debrief we can unpack my prediction or or <laughs> Chips' prediction and we'll see how it goes. Right, Rich, there you go. The end of another podcast. What do we think then for the weekendy? I mean we both kind of went two one for the for the MK Don's game. We've kind of Positive. What are we thinking for this it one? It shows we know nothing. It shows we know it? absolutely nothing. Yeah, it yeah. shows
0: we know absolutely Yeah. Um I, I I'm at a wedding on Saturday, so I'm gonna to have to be sort of be sneakily checking my phone. Oh. I'm gonna to have to be that guy. Um I'm hoping that I'm missing an abundance of wrecks goals. I uh, hope that everyone, you yourself included, who goes there, has a really good day out, really enjoys it, makes himself loud and proud. Again, I, I think it might just be a case of we don't click entirely. We're still sort of finding our rhythms. We still look like a bit of a work in progress, which is absolutely fine. I don't think we'll lose. Being a pessimist, I'd say we maybe get like a one-all draw, but, you know, why not? We're, we're a great team. We've got some great players. We've got those players who can win games in an instant. And we'll go 2-1 Wrexham to stick with that prediction again. Hopefully that doesn't mean that, you know, there's another eight goals this weekend. But, yeah, I think Wrexham have enough. I don't think we'll lose, but I'm not... I wouldn't be... Like, same as you, Nath. I wouldn't be too despondent if we drew.
2: No. Because uh, there's yeah. a long way to go. But, Rich, very, very quickly, before we kind of... You you do all the sign-outs. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2-1 again. Oh, that's a very basic uh prediction. Should we just say this for every game I'm, I'm going to go 2-1, and this is the team I would play. I would go... Just, I'm probably going to go back to Foster. But Foster in. I'd go the same back three that played against Wigan. Kluwerth... Um Toza, O'Connell, I would go Barnet, Mendy. Um, yeah, I'd go Barnett and Mendy. I would go Luke Young, Tom O'Connor, and Lee Lee. I would go Luke Young, Tom O'Connor, Lee Palmer. Damn, I'm gonna have to go Palmer bigger and Bickerstaff. Yeah, no, no other partnership yeah. seems to work. So that's what I would do.
0: Yeah. I'm same as you I'd like to see Young play I just don't see it happening I think James Jones comes back in mid-defence as well I just I can't see Fleur keeping so his who's, place who's gonna as much who, who's i Who's going to play too.
2: then because no one's fit to play either Who's going to play in the back?
0: I've got a a bad feeling it could be Tom O'Connor again which you know I, I understand why because he's left-footed and that is a unique skill set the parky values but I, get that. I, I, I agree I don't think that's the best use of him I don't think that's the best use of him but I, I think that yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I suppose we'll wait and see, won't we? Nick? We will. That's the, that's the excitement of watching Wrexham. We'll we be back next week as well to divulge whatever happened. And yeah, let's see. That's the challenge for Wrexham then. We've had a you know, still encouraging start to the season. The next 45 league games will decide whether it's a good one or a bad one. We'll be there every step of the way. We'll be here every single week. Thank you very much for joining us once again on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with with Red Tent People Development. Thank you very much to rexham based band Hypnotic for the music the stings. Uh, Congratulations to them as well. Rexham Way was played ahead of the opening game against MK Dons at the Kaidras. You might have heard it yourself. Check it out on Spotify now. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
4: This podcast is
0: proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.